Real people. Real opinions. Real talk radio. The multi-award winning Niall Boylan Show. Now, yesterday, by the way, we spoke about the suggestion of a register uh, similar to Clare's Law in the UK, whereby somebody, if they're in a relationship, can go to Angarda Shea and find out if an individual had previous in relation to domestic violence or abuse. Now, this is, of course, after I was talking to you, but I read the article in the Sunday World in relation to the um, brutal murder of uh, Jenny Poole or Jennifer Poole by Gavin Murphy, who got a life sentence. And Jennifer's brother has asked me, he's with the Minister of Justice, to ask about the possibility of this live register that would be available to anybody to contact the guards. Now, TD, of course, Fianna Fáil TD, Jim O'Callaghan, has also spoken to Jennifer Poole's brother, uh, Jason Poole, and spoken about the register. And a lot of people had a lot of questions after we discussed yesterday on the air in relation to that and what the proposed suggestion might be. So joining me on the area is TD, Jim O'Callaghan, uh, Dublin-based South Fianna Fáil TD. Good afternoon to you, Jim. Hi, Niall. How are you? Well, now, Jim, I mean, we, we kind of discussed that, had a little bit of a debate about it yesterday. And, you know, we kind of uh, likened it, I suppose, to Claire's Law. I'm not too sure if you're familiar with that in the UK, uh, which is basically a similar situation whereby, and it is in Northern Ireland as well, where you can fill uh, a form out online confidentially. And it doesn't have to be the person. It could be your say, if it's on behalf of your daughter and you're worried about the boyfriend she has, you can fill it out. And if the police believe there's reason to be concerned about your safety, they will contact you and give you whatever information you need. Is that the kind of thing we're proposing or or, or, does yeah. it, or will it just be by criminal convictions? Well, I think it's, um, it's an issue that was raised with us, Niall, as you mentioned, by Jason Poole, because when Fianna Fáil were putting together a policy paper and just trying to combat violence against women, and even when it goes off the political agenda, you know, we need to talk about it as an issue. Uh, and when Jason came to speak to us, one of the things he emphasised about Jennifer's brutal murder by Gavin Murphy was that, and this was mentioned by the, the judge uh, sentencing Gavin Murphy, he said that he had previously been convicted of assault causing harm with a knife to a previous partner. And the point that Jason validly made was that had Jennifer, his sister, been aware of this, she would have run 100 miles away from he, this guy. He did lie to her and told her he had been in Spain, which accounted for his missing time in Mountjoy Prison. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, you know, in fairness to her, you know, she, she was let down. If she'd been aware of that... She, according to Jason, she wouldn't have entered into a relationship with him. Listen, the way I think this type of register would operate now is the same way as we have. We have a sex offenders register at present. But the way that operates is that if you have been uh, convicted of a sex offence, details of that conviction are provided to Angarda Siakona. And there's a unit within the guards called the Sex Offender Management and Intelligence Unit. And the guardian of access to that information, and there's an obligation on people who are on the register to provide the guardian with information. But also the guardian have the power under it to uh, seek orders against offenders if they believe that they're a threat mm-hmm. to public safety. So like the sort of situation where I think this would be helpful is if somebody, uh, say a woman, predominantly it's women, but not exclusively, but if it was a woman was in a relationship, there was violence uh, inflicted upon her, uh, the guy says it's a one-off, the guardian investigated. In a situation like that, if he has previous convictions, that woman should be informed about it by the guardian. Indeed, if she goes looking for that information, absolutely. But here's, the problem with it is, and, and this is in relation to Clare's Law in the UK and Northern Ireland as well, and this is the confusion people had yesterday when we talked about it, 
it's all well and good if somebody has a conviction. But yeah. the, sadly, when it comes to domestic violence in this country, there's very few convictions uh, because normally people are in an intimate relationship. It's normally during a divorce settlement or uh, whatever it happens to be. And people will have safety orders and barring yeah, orders barring against each other, etc. And there's so many, there's thousands of those given out every year. So will this information be available say for somebody who has an allegation of domestic violence, i.e. a safety order, which doesn't necessarily always mean the person is guilty if they have a temporary safety order, protection order. You know, it's one person's word. Uh, they're normally not followed up on. But so is it only based on convictions or will it be based on safety well, orders and barring orders or allegations? Um, what I, don't think you could ba- I don't think you could base it on allegations. But like the way we have it in terms of the sex offenders register is that you need a conviction. Now, if I, I, I hear the point you make and it's a valid point that there are very few people convicted of uh, domestic violence. But, for instance, the situation with Gavin Murphy, he did have a conviction for violence causing harm against uh, a a previous partner. And that should definitely have been brought to his attention. It obviously gets more complicated when you get into the area of protection orders, which are sort of interim measures that are introduced to protect one partner against another, and or safety or barring orders. As as you know, they're not criminal convictions. But I think as a start, Niall, we should start with the situation where we have convictions and let's just see how that works. But is that information not already available to some degree because it's on public record, isn't it? See, this is the uh, unusual thing about it. If if there's convictions taking place today down in the courts, and obviously it's a public uh, expression by the state that judge imposes a sentence on a person, that's very public. If there's a journalist in court, they can report that. But if there isn't a journalist in court, there's no register that exists of convictions in the country. And I'm not suggesting that there necessarily should, but I just think we need to be aware that there's no central register. They don't have it in the UK either. In the United States, they do. If you're in the United States, you can go to a courthouse in a county court and you can check whether an individual oh, sure. has if, I'm li- if I'm living in the United States, I can pay $10 online and find out everything yeah. about somebody yeah. <laughs> through a background listen, check. There are, valid, yeah. there are valid reasons for the reasons of trying to rehabilitate people uh, that they don't necessarily have this central register. But certainly when it comes to people who have been violent in relationships, I think people who enter into a new relationship with that person have an entitlement to know if that person has a previous conviction. I think they seek it, they should be given that information. Because uh, it, it is a determining factor that would affect whether you want to continue or pursue a relationship with a person. And yeah. also the judge in the Jennifer Poole uh, murder case, you know, he said this was another example of a violent attack upon a young mother by a male partner. And unfortunately, like obviously men are subjected to violence as well, but what distinguishes violence against women is it predominantly occurs within a relationship. And that means it's something that, you know, we can try to control a bit more. We can try to protect people a bit more. I'm looking here on the Northern Ireland website in relation to what they call the Domestic Violence and Abuse Disclosure Scheme, which is similar to Clare's Law in the UK. It says if your partner has a record of violent or abusive behaviour or there is other information that shows you may be at risk, the police will decide who to tell. Information will only be shared with you where concerns have been identified that could potentially put you at risk. So that, I suppose, isn't suggesting it's only a conviction. It could suggest that there have been other reports made about a person and maybe cooperating stories. I suppose, from different individuals who may have been with that person. Yeah, and I think we need to give some discretion to the Gardaí as well. Like, obviously, if you try to define precisely what information can be given out, it becomes a very legally procedural process. Like, I think the Gardaí, and maybe this happens to a certain extent, the Gardaí should be given a discretion and an ability 
to provide information if it is the case that there is a history of say well, borrowing may- maybe orders. a specialist unit would be better because I think to leave that to the average you know rank and file guard yeah. who may not be trained specifically to deal with those situations which many are not trained specifically to deal with those type of situations maybe a particular unit or of individuals in the Phoenix Park or wherever it happens to be to deal specifically with those cases would provide the best Yeah option. and they have a domestic violence unit and you're right about it and the, the guard are getting like they're they're pretty good at it now and they're getting better at it. But of course the problem with domestic violence is to a large extent it remains very hidden. People don't talk about it. But fortunately now women aren't prepared or in a in small number of cases men aren't prepared to tolerate violence within a relationship. They get a very good response from the guardie when the guardie get involved in it. And I think we need to put in some statutory scheme that gives a mechanism to the guardie to provide information to individuals if they believe that individual could be subject to a threat. I, I'm looking here just before you go, Jim, as well, just to mention to you um, as well that Dublin City Council are set to set up a subcommittee to address the problem of people using drugs in school grounds. Children as young as nine years of age. And I know Sinn Féin Councillor Louise Dunn, who represents the Tala area and also works as an addiction specialist, told the journal that there's a serious problem across Dublin, but with drugs uh, and dealing and, and young people being involved. And she says basically the current war on drugs is not just work, is not working in Ireland. Well, how do we address the situation of nine and ten year olds being used as mules because of course they're not criminally responsible? How do we address that problem when it's becoming more prevalent in society? Well, it's a shocking uh, reflection on our society that kids who, as you say, have no sense of criminal responsibility are involved in this. But the problem is if they get involved in that level of criminal activity at an age when they don't have criminal capacity, they're going to continue on that route. They're being groomed, essentially. After 18, they're inevitably facing a life uh, in prison uh, in their 20s. Listen, I think we need a more honest discussion about uh, drugs uh, in our society. Like, I don't think we emphasize enough how damaging drugs are to people. I don't know anyone whose life has been improved by uh, getting involved in, in, in drugs. And I think we, we send out an ambiguous message to children as well that, you know, there isn't much of a problem with drugs. It's damaging to you. We need to be much more forceful about that. We need more education. Yeah, they, they, these young kids, I suppose, see the, the older teenagers driving their fancy cars and, I know. Uh, and benefiting from drugs somewhat. And when, when you hear about 10, 11 year olds, Maybe the only way to deal with that is dealing with the parents because, to be honest with you, when I read this story, I'm saying to myself, because I have three children myself who are all over the age of 20 now at this stage, but I would know if my 10-year-old was dealing in drugs. I would, I know. Because my 10-year-old wouldn't be out of my sight. So I think the problem here is not just the state and not just the fact that we have drugs in society. The problem is parents, isn't it? So well, would, it, would it be a possibility to hit the parents financially when their children of that age are involved in criminality? Well, look, the Children Act deals with uh, the problem of crime being perpetrated by children, OK? And obviously, detention is a last resort, and nobody's talking about detention for no, nine and ten-year-olds. But one of the issues that you can, or that you can have parental orders, orders made against parents. There's not any nine or ten-year-old who's out engaging in drugs their parents are failing in their duties to them, okay? It's not the case that, like, a 16-year-old, they can just go uh, off the reservation and are doing, uh, you know, getting involved in crime of their own accord. Mm. A 9- or 10-year-old is the responsibility of their parents. And in fairness, any kid that's involved in drugs at that age must be uh, well, the parents are letting them parental supervision. They're, they're, yeah. they're letting them down. But uh, I suspect, Niall, the problem there is that even the parents aren't in any position to control the child. The parents probably have their own, uh, maybe have their own addiction issues as well. Listen, it is an extremely complicated situation. In a situation like that, TUSA should be intervening in order to protect the child because the child who is nine or ten well, is dealing well, quite with Quite slow to do that, Jim, here. And the, and the other problem is, 
if you were to get into a situation similar to the UK, for example, I know a lot of people come over to Ireland, by the way, we might have criminal convictions in the UK to have a baby uh, because we're a little bit more lax when it comes to, you know, removing a child from parents. Uh, it's six of one, half a dozen of the other. You take a child out of a bad situation and you put them into foster care, which is equally probably as bad in some situations. So there isn't, really isn't an answer. So the other conversation then focuses on, this is the final question today, Jim, is in relation to how we approach drugs in general. And the suggestion recently by some politicians has been that we take a health-based approach and decriminalise um, uh, Class A drugs. I don't know if I, I personally wouldn't agree with it, but I don't know whether you do. I don't, I, listen, I, I've no problem having a discussion about it, okay? But like, I know, certainly when it comes to the legalization issue, if you're going to legalize drugs, they're going to become much more prevalent. More people are going to take them. I'm very conscious of what the uh, Irish Institute of Psychiatrists said last year, that the biggest threat to the mental health of, of young adults and young people is cannabis, okay? So like, these drugs are getting a lot stronger than what they were like previously. They're bad for your mental health. They're bad for your physical health. They're not going to improve your lifestyle. I just think we need a stronger message. Obviously, we're never going to be able to eliminate drugs. But also, people who go out at the weekend and think that we use drugs recreationally, maybe they need to look in the mirror as well and start reflecting about the business that they're supporting, the impact it's having on society when you have kids of 9 and 10 dealing. All right, well, listen, I appreciate you coming on the air. Thank you very much. Thanks, no, Jim O'Callaghan, uh, Dublin Bay, South Fianna Fáil, TD. Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi-award winning Niall Boylan Show. Ireland's classic hit.